3, 2, 1. You are joining the D-Bad movement. This is the Don't Be a Dickhead podcast. I'm John Gilbert. I'm Ian Thompson. I'm Alex King. And this is episode 13. Welcome along. So we're going to be talking about transport today. Yeah. What's your favourite form of transport? I mean, I I feel a bit bad because we've just been talking about the environment, but I do like flying. I think you can't beat a train, a a train journey. I feel very safe and secure. I like both of those, but I like them when I'm on my way out and not so much when I'm on my way back. And the reason for that is because I like drinking on planes and trains um, when I'm going somewhere exciting. But on the way back, if I'm drinking on the train on the way back, I'm just a massive dickhead. (laughs) And I tend not to be drinking on a plane on the way back because I've usually got to drive at the end of it. Also, it's less likely that you'll go out on a plane to a drinking sesh. I know you might have a drinking sesh on holiday, but like on a train, then you might go to another city to go out for the night and then get the last train back. Whereas you're not allowed to go like, I mean, un- unless you're sort of like Rupert Murdoch's sons or something, you're not about to say like, let's fly out to somewhere for a drinking session, fly back on the last flight home. <laughs> yeah. I can't get on a flight without having a drink though. That's just part of the experience, isn't it? You're in the airport, going to the spoons. Yes. Oh God. No. I'd, 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 I, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to go into Weatherspoons, but I, sometimes uh, it's the only to, option to sleep. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm very good at sleeping in Weatherspoons for anyone <laughs> who's unaware of what. We're Although about. we've decided on an earlier episode that Ian and I are now going to boycott Weatherspoons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they went beyond dickheadery. Anyway, you were saying. Yeah. I don't like drinking when I fly. I'm just not that bothered. I'll sometimes have like a glass of wine with my meal or something. But I'm not a massive fan of drinking on planes, particularly. Oh, you sound really plane. sophisticated. Thanks yeah. very much. I'm not. See, I what, just, I just... what Sally and I do is we go to the lounge beforehand and we'll work out the earliest possible time that we can go in there. So if our flight was at 8 a.m., we would make sure we we're in the lounge for 5 a.m. Um, <laughs> I always start off with a red wine. It's tradition. And uh, I always finish with a run across the terminal while they're calling my name. <laughs> it's tradition. A drunken run across the terminal. Well, no, I don't think we're drunk, but we're definitely happy. I'll tell you, I'll tell you when I have actually drunk before before a flight, and this was horrific. So I was in, <laughs> I've been working in San Francisco, and on the final night that we were in San Francisco, I we decided to go out for a drink, and we went to this little like hole in the wall bar. Um, it had. Uh, pool table in the back, no one else in, loads of like neon signs saying Route 66 and things like that. The um, cubicle door and the toilet was just a curtain on a curtain rail, like a shower curtain, because presumably it had been kicked off so many times that they couldn't be bothered to put it back up again. <laughs> but it was quite cool. And it was the first place that I found Jack Daniel's Tennessee honey. It hadn't come out in England at this point. And so I found it and I sat at the bar and like they do in American films and the woman just got me out a little shot glass. She poured me a shot and handed it over to me and left the bottle on the bar next to me so I could just keep drinking anyway. (laughs) I was incredibly hungover, but I'd booked a trip to go to Alcatraz that morning before we flew out. And so I thought, I'm not going to cancel my trip. So we were staying in San Jose. So I had to drive to um, San Francisco and then... On the day, like, it's, I find it's not very nice drinking or being hungover when you're travelling. 
So this was this was then the list of transport that then I had to get, and it was all straight one after another, no let up to go to sleep or anything. Car to San Francisco, boat to Alcatraz, walk around Alcatraz, boat back from Alcatraz, car back to San Jose, car to airport, train through airport and conveyor belt through airport, bus to plane, plane to Heathrow, <coughs> train in Heathrow back to the terminal, walk to the taxi, taxi all the way back to Hull. I had to, t- apart from sedan and bike, I took pretty much every single kind of transport in, like, over the space of, you know, 20 hours or something mm. like that. And just feeling horrific the entire time. Were you travelling with John Candy? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I wish I had a thing. Yeah. Maybe about 25% of people would have got that reference as well. A bit niche. Yeah, yeah. Planes, trains and automobiles. Wow, so you got home safely. I got home safely, yeah, but man alive, it was... Uh... I had to tell the taxi driver to drive a bit better as well. I think I was pretty much at the end of my tether at that point. So we've had a tweet from Sally Gilbert, and it's about reclining on a plane. She said, is it okay? I mean, it is, or they, would make recli- they wouldn't make reclinable chairs, but I think anyone that reclines on a daytime flight is a massive, utter dickhead. I personally wouldn't even recline on a night flight. What are your thoughts on that? So I've got a lot of thoughts on this, and there was a big thing in the news, wasn't there, not so long ago, about a woman in America who'd had a, a literally a fight, I think, with a guy um, behind her. And I can see her point, and is that that? I mean, it was horrible. Like the guy got right up in her grill and I mean, like that, and was punching the back of her seat. And oh, things. I saw that. However, yeah. I can also see his point of view. Mm. And there's a couple of things here. I mean, a, I rarely ever recline my seat because I think it's completely unfair on the person behind because they, they recline far too far. Yeah. And, but also, if the person at the back can't recline. This guy was at the back and it's like doubly harsh on him. You don't, you don't have a lot of room anywhere. Mm. I just think you, you could recline a little yeah. bit but never put your seat all the way back. That's just a right dickhead move. I, I right agree. Dickhead mode. And I think obviously if you're trying to sleep, sometimes you need to recline it slightly. But when it's like fully, yeah, no. This is the kind of dickheadery I think that can be dealt with through legislation. This, mm. We should just actually just have a rule on it. Yeah. Most dickheadery, I, I, well, the point of this podcast, we're talking about behaviour. But this one, we can just enforce it like the smoking ban and so on. It's like maybe there is, when the lights are off and it's sleeping time, you can recline fully. When the lights are on, you can only go to, I don't know, 50% of its reclining capacity or even 0%. Mm. Or yeah, they shouldn't yeah. allow the chairs to recline as much as they do because... On the latest flight that I had from, it was Bali's, it was a long flight and I can't sleep on a plane. Even when it's night time and it's dark, I just can't sleep. So I spent 10 hours it's literally. Drunk. Yeah, probably. So I spent 10 hours on this flight and she was fully reclined the full journey. Too polite to actually say anything. I could have maybe asked her to move up slightly. But yeah, it, that really bothers me. Especially for the full journey. For an hour or so, maybe it's acceptable. Yeah, you see, I'd have tried to make sure that she couldn't sleep at all. I did, I'd I, have like, ri- yeah. I'd have wriggled around a lot. I'd have put my knees up on the back of I her kept seat going for a while. To the toilet have... and yeah. yeah. Another thing yeah. about personal space on planes, I was sat in the middle. It was on a three seater, so I was sat in the middle of my partner Jordan, and then another guy on the other side of me, and I felt like he was just trying to really stand his ground on his space. So I understand that I might have been smaller than him, but he literally had his arm over. Do you know the the armrest, like onto my side? And I just thought it was so 
such a, and he did it from the start, like he was stamping his territory on his on his ground. But yeah, that's another dickhead thing to do. Don't do that. Oh, or he was a deviant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, and so I was in the middle of two blurks, and I was it it was awful. That was another like eight hour flight. So by the time we landed, I was just massively over it. Yeah, I mean, never sit on the middle seat. I don't think. So, you know, yeah. it's yeah. I don't. I don't like it, but I had no choice really. We had to get an emergency flight due to all of this. So we had to sit where we were put. <laughs> I don't want to get in on all your relationship, but you did have a choice. So you could have taken the window seat, and then Jordan could have like stood his ground with the man, and then if he needed to, he could lean across your space which I'm sure you wouldn't have minded so much as compared to a stranger. What you needed, you needed to ring me for a strategy. Jordan's got really long legs though, so I always feel a bit bad because he'd end up be like this. He'd end up like having his legs curled up. So at least he can, I'm considerate, you see. I think about other yeah. people's personal Not space. like that dickhead sat next to no, you. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Talking of um, you've got to go where you where you put, that's dickhead behaviour, particularly from low cost airlines um, where if you book as a group together, they put you separately on the plane, mm. right to the point where they they split families up so that they have to pay to sit together. Yeah. Um, my friend, my friend Dan, he solved the problem by going to the desk and explaining to them. He said, "You know, you've placed my nine-year-old and my seven-year-old separate from me and my wife, uh, so we're going to need to move." And she said, "Yeah, there's a cost for that." And he said, "No, I'm not paying. You're going to have to put us together." Um, because I'm not having a nine and a seven-year-old separately from them, and they still maintain that there'd be a cost involved. And he said, "Okay." He said, "This is fine. They will sit separately." But and he called the kids over and he said, "Kids, I want you to hear this as well. I give you permission to be the biggest nightmares, <laughs> screaming, crying, shouting at people, throwing food, whatever you want to do. You have by permission to do that yeah, on the plane." Too right. Um, and he said, uh, "So there you go. So that's so your staff will deal with that." <laughs> Because I'm not, because you've not put me anywhere near them. So your staff can deal with all of that for the entire flight and good luck with that. Mm. Anyway, they moved the kids for free and they all sat together. Yeah. Hurrah. Yeah. Yeah, stick it to the man, Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So we talked a lot about air travel. What, what other forms of uh, transport dickheadery might we experience? Taxi drivers. Just oh, put yeah. it out there. Taxi drivers. Yeah. I've had not a lot all of taxi drivers. No, not all taxi drivers. You get some lovely taxi drivers. Yeah, you really do. But it is a very it's a minority of them that are that are dickheads. But you do get some that are dickheads. Mm. What's quite you know what I really like is the hierarchy of dickheads on the road. Mm. So you know, like a normal person driving around and say someone cuts them up and they'll go, oh, bloody taxi drivers cutting me up because they're always on the roads. And then when you're in a taxi. Then you get, like, I remember someone cut a taxi driver up once and the taxi driver looks at me and he goes, bloody company car drivers. And I imagine company car drivers will go, oh, bloody delivery drivers. And there's like this hierarchy of who each of them think are dickheads on the road. It's good. Yeah, that's a real yeah. us and them. Because the taxi driver could be a fantastic ambassador for the Church of D-Bad. You could yeah. be in a taxi right now listening to listening to this i hope it's not a long journey um but they could certainly pick on different aspects of behavior that they see rather than what i had recently which was the taxi driver interrupting my family conversation with his conversation which was if i won the lottery i'd buy myself a plot of land i was like oh that'd be nice so sally quite innocently said oh what would you do with it he said i'd shoot all the birds 
And that was that was yeah. historic. That that was it, beginning, middle, and end. So I know oh. we're in his car and it's his domain, but come on, mate, don't be a dickhead. When we were in Vegas once, we got in a taxi um, and gave him the name of the hotel that we were going to and asked him to take us to the hotel. He didn't speak once because he was on the phone to his mate. And he, um, he just like leaned back, listened to where we wanted to go, then kept driving and kept talking on his phone and took us all the way back to the hotel. When we got to the hotel, just tapped on the thing to tell us how much it was. So we gave him the exact amount of money. And when we started getting out the car, at which point he ended his conversation so he could get out the car and yell at us about where was his tip. We explained, you're not getting a tip. You haven't even spoke to us. Like, not saying we want you to speak to us, but like you were just rude. You, not especially um, like a good driver or anything like that. You were on your phone the entire time. Like, you can't just expect a tip. Anyway, he chased us then, screaming at us <laughs> into the hotel. We all ran. Obliged to give a tip. Yeah. It's not like. I don't think you should be. I mean, I think in yeah, America, it's a, it's a then people expect you yeah. to give tips. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, there is the argument that, well, a lot of people are working for less than minimum wage and their tips make it up and things like that. But then I still don't think that that gives them the right to be just like really rude and slightly mm. dangerous. I had a weird experience with a taxi driver once and I was on a way home from a night out and we dropped my brother off. Then before pulling away for, for to carry on the journey to take me home, he just kind of leant across to me. I was in the front, he just leant across to me and just said, you know there's someone behind you, don't you? And I went, no, I'm pretty sure he's just got out. And he went, not him, the other one. You know you have a spirit that follows you around everywhere. He's just in wow. the back now. No. Now, the spookiest thing about this story is, that's about the fifth time somebody's stopped me to say something like that. Really? It, it does happen quite a lot. Well, well, you, well, we should talk about the time we went ghost hunting uh, that yeah, time ghost, um, yeah. on another on another show. Um, Alex, I had to bring my own spirit to that as well. He practically kidnapped me because he then took me home, but then we had another 10-minute conversation outside my house about spirits and my spirit that follows me around. Uh-huh. So I was like listening to everything he said with great great interest but that was an unexpected um transport experience that's weird yeah wow and i don't know if it's like he was expecting expecting a tip from that it's just like a Um, reading he didn't get much of one because it's british so scaring the life out of you (laughs) well yeah no i wasn't fighting i was quite i like the idea of somebody following me around but i mean i guess if i did have somebody always sitting behind me would they really be pissed off if i reclined my chair on an (laughs) airplane even if i felt it was empty at the time (laughs) <laughs> nice. Anybody got nice, any good nice. um, rickshaw experience? Fun on a land train, helicopter fun, hot air balloon, sedan chair, horse and carriage. Well, is it tuk? I don't think I've ever ridden on any of these. In Southeast Asia, if anybody's been on a tuk tuk in Southeast Asia, they'll know that it is it is a death trap. They seem to have no sort of road safety laws, so it's quite intense. But all of the experiences I had with the tuk tuk drivers were lovely. They couldn't have been more helpful, but to be fair, I did put my life at risk every time I got into one. I've driven in Thailand before. I hired a car and drove in Thailand once. That was Mm. a scary experience because it appears that what the drivers do is they wait until you get to a blind bend and then they overtake you. (laughs) Um, That's what what happens. Um, So whenever anyone overtook me, I generally had to go and drive on the the grass at the side of the road for a bit. 
We were in Kilsimmer, where we drove to Big Buddha yeah, Island. Yeah. You went there, I think, didn't you, Alex? And um, and on the beach there, I got a, a massage, which was lovely. Uh, unfortunately, it really relaxed me, the massage, and it was lovely. But as soon as the massage finished, we realised, oh, shit, we've got to have the hire car back in half an hour. So then I had to drive like a... a, a a local in order to um in order to get back in time so then i wasn't relaxed did, at all by the end of the journey so it's just a waste, a waste of like 10 bars there were four of us so i just said oh let's hire a car uh, and i'll drive yeah. us made more sense so buses I've, I've just these are my notes buses now i used to get buses a lot um i must admit i don't do it very often now but they are the best aren't they that, that's like you get the most colorful characters on buses surely and i yeah. do enjoy because um, I don't get bus very often now, but when I do, when I'm leaving the bus, I really enjoy my cheers drive. Yeah, I... Because that just brings me back to my feel youth. like a really good person, don't you? Have a good day. <laughs> my brother-in-law, who grew up down south, when he first got together with my sister, he came up to Hull for the first time. And I don't know whether he'd just never been north before, but he rang his friends to tell them how polite everyone was to bus drivers. He couldn't believe it. He thought it was like incredible. He thought he'd yeah. found the new world. Yeah, because when I was in Australia, nobody said um, thank you to the bus driver. So I made a real point of when I got off the bus, I was like shouted yeah. it. It was probably like, what was... Cheers <laughs> drive. Cheers <Yeah>. drive! <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. I got very excited when I was on a bus last year coming back from a beer festival in my mind this was just the funniest thing in the world i'm sure everybody else didn't agree but every time one of the passengers got off the bus i made everybody else on the bus give them a round of applause <laughs> so, Good riding. so Good every riding. single stop we had just like whoops and cheers and a round of applause for people i was just going this person has successfully got off at the correct stop Let's give them a round of applause. The taxi, uh, taxi driver, the bus driver must have been sitting there seething. Even my cheers drive at the end of the journey probably no. didn't make up for it. <laughs> I was so excited to be on a bus. I think I've seen a, I think I've seen pictures of that journey as well. Yeah, yeah, it's just me yeah. straining as I'm hanging upside down on a bus. Do you know what would be worse though? If you are a person that doesn't give up your seat for somebody that needs it more, that really annoys me when I'm on when I used to take the bus quite a lot, if you see somebody not sort of give mm. up their seat, especially on the priority seating areas, like if you see someone struggling or if just stand, I just don't get it, dickhead. Well, I think that's yeah. another example of many of these dickheaderies, like things like reclining the seat, uh, having respect for other people. It's just, it says a lot about mm. you, I think, whether you whether you say thank you to the bus driver and so It's those little micro dickheaderies yeah. that that really say a lot about you and your character. And they're just little things that you can do just to make the world a better place. Yeah. I And the people who who take up a seat with for their bag, or I yeah. was on the New York subway once and there was a chap who didn't even have a, he had his seat, but then he just leant across the seat next to it to put his hand on it. So like nobody could come and sit next to him. Hmm. Unless he was a pioneer for the coronavirus, what was he doing there? So what I did is I got on the one next to it and I put my hand on it and gradually did it till our fingers were touching. <laughs> and then he didn't seem very happy with me at that point. <laughs> Filming myself doing it as well, just to see yeah. how close I could get my hand. <laughs> yeah, I need to... Creeping uh, him out of his spare seat. Yeah, I need to take a long hand look at myself. <laughs> nice, nice. So that's it. I think we've, we've fixed transport. We just need to Done. be courteous, sober, choose our taxi drivers carefully. Yeah, we know how to do it. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And remember, 
Der Redeke. Der Redeke.